Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Plan B Leadership in Life podcast. I'm back, and honestly, my hope is that you're encouraged and inspired today as you reflect on this past year and step into 2022 with intention. If any of you listened to this podcast in 2021, first of all, thank you. Secondly, though, I feel like I need to admit something to you. I still have two interviews sitting in the queue, but I had to press a giant pause on podcasting for a bit. Not because I didn't love it, but because I was questioning why I was doing it and whether or not there was anything really worth saying. I had to reevaluate my why. I honestly wondered if this was just a waste of time. Maybe I was wasting my time with a podcast no one would listen to anyway. I had to ask myself some tough questions, and I think I determined that Lois Van Roon has something worth saying, that my voice matters and I'm here to share what I'm learning. I love this podcast. It's my heart and it's my head. It's me. Our words are so powerful, and I hope the words that I share and the time you spend listening is valuable to you. Over the last few months since I finished last season's podcast, I faced the analytics of my podcasting. I found out who was listening and for how long, where people were listening from, and on which days. And here's what I found out. I had listeners from Australia to Alberta, from all different age groups, and on my final season one podcast, my listeners actually listened to pretty much the whole thing. That floored me. And suddenly it hit me. This podcast is meaningful to someone somewhere. It might be a 40-year-old in Texas. I see you, Texas. But listeners, you want authentic. You want to know that you're not the only one. And if I'm guessing right, I think you want to know that what you're feeling and thinking through this exhausting, never-ending pandemic is some kind of normal. You want someone out there to get you. Well, I get you. Because if you're feeling burnt out, because apparently that's a thing and it, it has been my thing, I hope you find some inspiration today. I know what it's like to feel like you can't juggle everything anymore. I know what it's like to stop doing some of the things that you love, not because you don't love them, but because you just can't seem to muster up the energy that you once had. I struggled with energy that all of these great things were taking, like recording a podcast and having friends for brunch on Sunday. And although I tried to manage the stress of this unpredictable world that we've been living in, I felt really tired. I started to pare down on my day and I chose to do just a few things instead of a lot of things. And I kind of diagnosed myself with a mini case of burnout. But once I named it, I started looking for the things that might refuel me and I found some things. And hopefully some of these things are helpful to you today too. You see, there's this creative side of me that is really bright and it makes me who I am. But I actually have to really pay attention to that because it refuels me. And so with that, I should press play on this podcast again, because I do know my why. My why for doing this and a lot of other things in life is that I love learning and I love to encourage other people. That is authentically me. And I wonder, what is authentically you? Because when we find those passions in life, they end up being worth pursuing, whether that's a new job in 2022 opening your own business, moving to a new city, or even cold calling someone you hope will one day be on your podcast. My guest today is a podcaster, 
an author, a teacher, a professional learning coach, and a fabulous person. Her voice is beautiful. Her podcast, Kindsight 101, is actually the first one I ever listened to and one that inspired me to take steps to begin my own journey as a podcaster. Her latest venture is an amazing new book called From Burnt Out to Fired Up by Solution Tree. It will inspire and encourage people looking for some insight and it gives a fresh outlook for those who are feeling a little or even a lot burnt out. I read her book from digital cover to digital cover and I loved it. It is a heartfelt work of written art. It provides readers and leaders and teachers with a little bit of spark when you feel like you might be on your last match. Her practical suggestions are straightforward and clear, and they give a framework for those people in the world who might feel like they're a little stuck or a little burnt out. Morgan Michael has interviewed Seth Godin, Dr. Jody Carrington, Dr. Ross Green, Dr. Stuart Shanker, Jimmy Cassis, George Kuros, and Lori McIntosh, and I had the honor of catching up with her to chat about her new book. Today, I'm the lucky one. I love that this book is framed around five R's that are really worth thinking about. Reflect, reframe, refocus, reconnect, and reveal your creative self. Yes, we have taken a giant pause on so many things with this pandemic. Not all of us, but some of us have pressed that giant pause and we've held it there for a long time. But I've got to ask you, what if your burnt out is your next stepping stone? What if this is the catalyst to something amazing on the other side? Lean in, friends. I want you to hear that you're not the only one feeling burnt out. And if you're feeling that today, or if you've felt that in the past, this fire that we're in is not going to destroy us. The same sun that melts the wax can harden clay. I heard Amy Grant sing that 30 years ago, and I think it's true. We can gain resilience through these hard spaces in life, and I needed to hear that myself. So here comes season two. Please join me each month in 2022 for more inspiration and some great stories. I want to thank my listeners, my supportive family and friends who asked me, hey, when is your next podcast? And I want to thank my guest, Morgan Michael, for writing the book with a message we all need to hear. We can go from burnt out to fired up. What if burnt out is your next stepping stone? Listen in, friends. There are some great things in store for all of us. So please press play. I had a little leap in my heart when I realized I don't have to go to work today. <laughs> just the realization that holidays have started, we can have a new pace. And it's just yeah, very welcome after all of these crazy months. I was so excited when you agreed to be on this podcast, because I'm just a baby podcaster. But you know what, <laughs> the first, po- no, literally the first podcast I ever really listened to and like sat down and listened to the whole thing was yours. What? Are you serious? Yeah. yeah I'm serious. Wild. Because 
I like I had always caught little snippets here and there, but the first podcast that I actually listened to from beginning to end that really inspired me um, in a couple of different ways, one to be a listener, but then also to be a speaker of podcast. It was your it was your kind sight 101. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's wild. I know. And I don't remember which one it was, but yeah, I just remember being very inspired that you know, you could tell those kinds of stories and connect with people. And I just, I learned so much from, from being a listener to your podcast and yeah, it just got me connected into a whole bunch of other things and people and some of your guests and yeah. So I probably wouldn't know some of the names of, you know, educators across the globe that I do if it weren't for your podcast. So yeah, I thought I should actually (laughs) tell you that I was thinking about that yesterday. I was like, Oh, yeah, the first podcast that I actually really paid attention to was yours. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you. That just made my week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's so great. You know, I love podcasting. It's it's a pretty cool medium. I think I really enjoy the power of audio. There's something, I think it was Adam Grant, the psychologist, who said that there's something about audio that lets you really dial into what's important without the extraneous stimulus. And I love it. Like, I think there there's just a different level of absorption. And maybe it's just because that's my favorite conduit of sort of learning things is through listening and, and through hearing. But I just think you drill down to who the person is. And sometimes, I mean, we live in such a visual world. Sometimes it's just really really need to take everything else away and just be like, who are you? And what do you stand for? And I think our voice represents that so clearly. So that's why I love podcasting. And like you said, I think it's such a great opportunity to really dig into to the depth of what somebody's about. And it's just, yeah, it's a cool medium. I love it. Well, you're so right, because I often think of how many distractions there are in the world and how many distractions there are with our devices. Um, On my podcast, it has really allowed me to, like you said, just sink in a little deeper to the listening side of it, but I don't have the distractions around me. Like I'm fully paying attention to what someone is saying. And for me, that actually takes a little bit more work because I am a visual person and I like to be able to um, learn visually, but this is yeah, it's just working on a different skill, I think. And yeah, I've, re- I've really appreciated. Um, yeah, just listening to other people speak and getting to know their stories. It's been it's been really neat. So yeah, your your podcast has inspired my podcast. <laughs> I think is pretty cool. So thank you for doing what you do. And your book. Amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. From birth to fired up. That is so cool that you wrote that. And I read the whole thing. You did. It, oh my I did. Gosh. I I wasn't able to get my hands on a hard copy, but I did read that would be the first ebook that I read from beginning to end. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. Wow. Yeah, but it is awesome. I really, really appreciate what you've said. But why did you write that book? Like what what kind of led you to writing that book? Yeah, great question. Well, you know what? Okay. So first of all, thank you for saying that. Um, It's been kind of a labor of love. And it's just it's incredible and surreal to even have people be able to read 
a book that I've written. It's, it's wild to even say that. So on that level, just thank you. And um, I think it started back in 2017 and I was, you know, I had my little guy Tyson. He was my second uh, and I found myself at home with a toddler and a newborn and I'm a really busy, ambitious person. I love my career and I also loved being at home, but there was a piece of me that was like, what do I want? I think maybe kids do that to you too. You know, you, you become a parent and suddenly the issue of legacy and purpose sort of enters your mind, I guess. And so I guess I was looking for that kind of on some level, just kind of figuring out who am I? What do I want out of life? What do I want within the context of my role as a parent, as a teacher, my legacy, all of these things. And I didn't really have an answer. And I started reading and listening and podcasts. Podcasts were just starting to sort of like hit their hit their stride, I guess, around then. And so I was listening to quite a few different podcasts. And I listened to the Marie Forleo podcast. And actually, she interviewed Seth. And it was like Seth Godin reached through that microphone. And he'd like touched my heart. <laughs> I heard his voice just say, just things along the lines of, you know, you, you can reject the tyranny of being picked, you have to pick yourself, you have to clap for yourself, you have to get real about what you want to do in this world and be proud of this trail that you're leaving behind. And by the way, what is that? And when you do things, who is it for? And what's it for? And so he was throwing these like really deep questions and, and thought provoking statements out there. And it really got me thinking and I, I'm a big journaler. So I journaled. And I actually for some reason, it's like the pen just kind of went on the page and said, you're writing a book someday. And I had no idea that I wanted to write a book. I didn't even know what I wanted to write about. And I guess over the course of like, you know, three, four, whatever years, I accumulated a lot of, of just tidbits of information, science, uh, stories, experiences just in my journals, and they sort of came together. And the first book I wrote, I actually wrote, uh, it was actually about a totally different topic. I got a contract with a publisher, and then it just fell through. It wasn't the right book. But then in March of 2020, just before we went into lockdown, Solution Tree reached out to me and they had listened to my podcast. So part of this journey had been starting this podcast and they had said, we love your podcast. We do have a book in you. And I was like, well, actually I do. I've been, I've been writing about the, you know, the concept of social emotional learning, but through the lens of teachers for a long time through my blog and everything else. I do think I have a book. And so, uh, so that was exciting. And so for the next year, I basically wrote this book. And unbeknownst to me, I think teacher burnout is probably one of the biggest issues in education right now. And that's precisely what my book's about. And so it's timely. And my hope is that it helps people. But that's the long story of how it came oh, about. It, it's so timely. And and that's actually what's scary is how timely it is that people just on every level are feeling yeah. very, very burnt out right now. And, you know, I know that really well because I see that in education right now. And, you know, we've had a lot thrown at us. We've all had a lot thrown at us. But I can speak from the educator's point of view. What I see around me is that people used to be able to 
handle their professional lives and their personal lives, kind of balance and juggle everything pretty, pretty well, it seemed like in the education world, like we didn't see some of the stresses that we're seeing now. And it feels like people have more of a quick tipping point to be able to, um, to handle both of those things is harder and harder and harder. And I, and I, I know some of the reasons for that, but some of the reasons I'm, I'm still very curious about what is going on in education and where are we going to be two years, five years, 10 years down the road if we're losing people because where are we going to, where are we going to be as educators? So I think your book is a really big encouragement to people who are feeling burnt out. I think you give some very, very practical suggestions for um trying to just kind of deepen our understanding of where we've been and what we kind of need to sort of pick ourselves up and keep going. Yes. Oh, thank you for saying that. I think you're absolutely right. There are, we are sort of at a tipping point at a breaking point. We see that all the time on Twitter. I see it all the time where educators are saying that was my last day. I just put in my resignation notice, especially in the U S I think, I think the pressures are, I, I don't want to say higher, but I, I think the the will to keep going is perhaps less. It's just they're not getting compensated as well, you know, and it's just not worth it. When you look across the street and at your fast food chain, they're they're hiring people for, for just a little bit less. And so you go, is it worth the stress? Maybe not, you know. Mm-hmm. I look at that and I think inflation and, and all of the financial things that can be kind of tricky to understand, I think that plays into some of the stressors as well. Our world has changed in the last five to 10 years. And so have our children and our parents are stressed out. And I think there's so many factors outside of our control as individuals, as adults, but also as educators navigating this shifting world. And I think we looked at that, you know, five years ago when we started to predict, you know, that anxiety is on the rise, depression's on the rise, suicide levels are on the rise. And this was before the pandemic. We saw that mm-hmm. shift. And I think what the pandemic has done is it's turned something that made it, may have felt somewhat sustainable into something that feels completely, I mean, it's running people ragged because instead of having this this slow pace marathon where there's little dips and things it's turned into a sprinting marathon we do not know where the end is and we've been in this for almost two years and two years feels like an eternity and i think when you look back on it it's like oh my goodness many of us have pressed pause and there's sort of this alarming recognition of like (laughs) what is this life and and i think that can be really uh really hard to grapple with and so my book, my hope is with the book that I'm able to create some anchors and some handholds that give us the opportunity to kind of come back to who we are, press play again with intention instead of resting in this place of pause and be able to um, to just, you know, to, to get to that place where we feel whole and and where we can sort of slow the pace down. Because I think a lot of us are in fight, flight, or freeze right now. We are in trauma and we're relying on all of the mechanisms that might've helped us in the past to deal with that. And there's this layer of sort of COVID on everything, not, not literally, but sort of figuratively where, where it's sort of this background, almost like a background program that's playing. And so it's hard for us to just be relaxed. And so we have to put things into place that, 
that bring about that that feeling of peace, even if we're not really feeling it in the world. And perhaps that's not being reflected in society right now. I love that idea of handholds. I think that is such a beautiful picture of this book and what it provides, because I think there are some very valuable handholds there, even for a person, a teacher, a leader, whomever, um, who needs maybe just a little bit of inspiration right now. And and you you talk very clearly in your book about like five um, R's, and and I see those as kind of the big handholds in in your book. So if we're just talking about reflect because you talk about reflect and reframe and refocus and reconnect and reveal your creative self. Um, if we just talk about reflect for a minute and, and those mm. ideas of having a gratitude practice and, and self-care pieces and using like a tender tone with yourself. Um, if I think about that self-care piece, I am such a huge advocate for we do need to take care of ourselves. And what does that look like? And as a leader, I feel like in, my school as you know I have that role as a as a formal leader self-care is really important to me personally I'm trying to kind of model that um, but I'm also really trying to encourage others to to really make that a priority so if you think about some of those reflection pieces and maybe particularly self-care what has kind of helped you sort of turn off that kingdom of noise around you and just take care of yourself Oh, thank you. You are, you're amazing. You're a terrific podcast host, by the way. You've done your homework (laughs) and your questions are on point. No, it's not easy. I think listeners who have never done it before don't necessarily understand how challenging it can be. Your flow is amazing. I just have to say that. Oh, thank Um, you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So with the reflect piece, that's really about tuning inward. And you're right. Like I think the, 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 the R's are really designed as a linear process through which you can kind of reclaim yourself, you know, in all of this. And you don't have to do it in a linear sense, but it's definitely helpful. So the first piece is tuning in. And I think my favorite part of that is the fact that it doesn't have to be fancy. Many, many of us already know these things. It's about putting them into practice. And so, so much of the reflect aspect is, is just about tuning into who who we are, where we are emotionally, asking yourself, you know, how do I feel right now? And I even have reminders on my phone, and I suggest this as one of the strategies. Reminders on my phone that three times a day I'm asking myself, what is my emotional, you know, take my temperature emotionally. How am I feeling right now? Where do I feel it in my body? And what do I need? Because usually we are intuitive enough to know exactly what it is that we need when we're feeling overwhelmed or even stressed or anything, but we forget to take a moment, take a breath. And one minute does not change the trajectory of our, you know, productivity. We can, we can, we can afford to spend one minute just tuning in. Right. So that's one of the strategies. And then I think there's something about consistent self-care practices. So I like to tell people in my professional development sessions and things to do a self-care action or bucket list. And the purpose of that is to when you're feeling stressed, have a fallback of like three to five activities that you know bring you a sense of peace. And if that still doesn't get it, then you need to go get some help. I know Dax Shepard on his podcast talks about that. You know, he says, you know, I got to do some exercise first. I got a journal and then I've got to have, you know, 
uh, healthy food, for example. And then if I'm still feeling low after that, then I need to kind of go on my fallback, you know, seeking help strategies. But I think if we're able to kind of come back to those strongholds that that keep our mental health steady, uh, that over the course of a week, if we're having a, a dip, that it can get us back on track. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this is we can do so much of this on our own and it doesn't have to take a really long time. It can be little, little things that just change our overall mood. As you're talking and thinking about the idea of reframe and how that's one of your other five R's and you talk about, you know, bouncing forward and just even thinking about what I can learn from this situation or this experience and how can I grow and, I think what really resonates with me is the idea of the language piece. Like, what am I telling myself? And what are the negative thoughts that I'm telling myself? And I, I, feel, I feel really, I guess, like convicted in my heart that this is something that I really have needed to work on is just what is the story that I'm kind of telling myself right now? What, what am I saying negatively about myself or my experiences or even what I'm kind of predicting for the future, right? Um, what I think that I'm capable of, right? Sometimes I sell myself short with my own potential just by my own thoughts and, and the language that I'm using and what I'm saying. And when, when you picked up that quote about language is the crystallization of thoughts, I, that really resonated with me because I think we're, we're all guilty of this, right? We, we have those negative thoughts and they can really change how we see a situation. And that's not always for the best. Yes, there's lots of negativity and there's lots of noise and there's lots of sort of chaos and clutter around us. But when, when you first pause to sort of reflect on how am I feeling? What am I seeing? What am I, um, what's going on around me? What do I need? And then actually choosing some positive thoughts. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you see in that reframe and that resilience piece? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think a lot of our ability to make it through this, this really nutty time is our ability to tap into that resilience piece. Like you said, I think the idea of resilience is the rapidity with which we bounce back from adversity. So that idea that we are able to come back to ourselves after the world has sort of tipped our, our existence upside down. And in many ways, many of us right now are going through absolute, you know, turmoil, uh, difficulty at home. It's not just in our careers that we're seeing it. There's tension at home. We're seeing it in lots of different uh, aspects of our lives. And I think it's scary to feel that we're so out of control sometimes that we can't come back to ourselves. And so resilience is knowing that we we can get back there and understanding. And I think there's, it's tough sometimes to hear this when you're going through it, but understanding that when you come out the other end, there's the potential for you to actually bounce forward into the new, newly forged kind of version of who you are. I use this analogy of, uh, you know, metal alloys and how the struggle can be kind of like introducing a new metal to our, our own sort of sense of self. And then by forging that through the heat and the turmoil and the pain and how difficult things are that you essentially become sort of a stronger version of yourself, you know, uh, it's not always easy to get there though. And so I think, yeah, the first thing is, you know, once you've had that opportunity to reflect, like 
take the temperature of your emotions. Where am I? Then you go, okay, what story am I telling about my life, myself? How am I doing that on the day to day in a subconscious way? How am I speaking to myself when I mess up? You know, we all mess up. I have dropped so many balls this past year that some of them are rubber and some of them are glass. And, you know, we all disappoint people sometimes. It's impossible to be perfect. And so how do you speak to yourself when you've disappointed someone, when you've let somebody down, when you've made a choice that wasn't the right choice and you're a leader and people are depending on you how do you speak to yourself do you berate yourself you know do you shame yourself do you use the same language that maybe uh, someone may have used with you in the past that that has stayed with you or can you ahead of all the struggle choose to speak to yourself in a kinder tone choose to to literally articulate the soft words that you would use with a friend and i think the way that we speak to others, we need to turn back onto ourselves if we want to be resilient. Because if you berate yourself when you're already down, it can sort of make you want to throw up your hands and go, I give up. <laughs> I'm just going to lean into this. I'm a bad person or I'm a bad leader. I'm a bad teacher. And then you yeah. want to give up, right? So it's really about yeah, auditing that internal voice. And you could do that through like in the book, I have a lot of different journaling prompts. But I think one, one of the if I, I'm kind of rambling on, but one of the strategies that I, I know educators love is in June or at the end of your school year, if you take a moment and just jot down a few things that were successful, some of the wins that you had throughout the year, uh, the, the learnings that you had with some of those really challenging parents or kids, and you write that down and then you sort of uh, kind of wrap it up just saying how proud you are of yourself, the progress and, and mean it gen genuinely. And then you wrap it up in an envelope and you put it somewhere in your desk or somewhere where you'll find it in that third week when school begins and you're sort of tearing your hair out and you're going, oh my gosh, I don't think, I don't think we can get to where we need to go. We all do this in September whenever school starts for you. Mm -hmm. And so when you can read your own words going, it felt impossible, but I made it. There's that proof of resiliency, of growth that we all kind of need in order to believe that we can do it again, you know, to, to bounce forward again, because we, we are going to be faced with lots of different struggles in our lives, right? So we need to find those strategies and tools that remind us of that ability to come back and come back stronger. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I felt very burnt out um, throughout the last, I guess, several months, because there's just so much coming at us so quickly. And I, you know, I was trying to do lots of different things. And one of the things that I was trying to do was this podcast. And then I was like, nobody cares. Nobody wants to listen to this. It's stupid. Why am I wasting my time? I'm not going to do this. I it's forget it. I'm going to stop. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to start a podcast that says I'm burnt out. And, and then, <laughs> and then I really had to kind of reframe that because I was like, well, you know, there is, you know, if I go back to like, what is my why for doing this? It's, it's really, you know, there's a couple of things, but specifically it's to, to, to find out more and to learn more because I do see myself as a lot happier when I am pursuing my own learning. And that's something that I'm really intentional about. And by doing the podcast and by speaking to people and reading their books and listening to their podcasts and you know, finding out more, I feel like I'm learning. And if for nothing else, 
you know, this podcast is out there in the world. And, and thank you to my mom who will listen to it. You know, there's, <laughs> there's other people who, who will um, maybe hopefully be inspired or encouraged like I have been, or maybe learn a few things like I did. And, and I think like, that's, that's enough of a why, but we often tell ourselves that, you know, we have to do these big, amazing things and, and we're not, you know, it's not good when we fail. And I kind of love what you were talking about at the beginning of the book. And you sort of brought, brought that, you kind of circled back to that later with talking about your teacher, Mr. Graham, who said mm. um, that you should be able to fail gloriously. And I thought yes. that is really a neat picture of yeah, it's okay to do things for your own learning and you don't have to hit it out of the park all the time. So what has that idea of failing gloriously, what has that kind of allowed you to do or pushed you to do or think about? Oh my gosh, Kate, it is so hard to even think of where to start here because (laughs) first of all, I just want to say sometimes the stepping stones that we are being pulled or called to do just like this podcast that you're doing right now, you don't know what opportunities or what door that will open in two, three, five years. You just don't. Mm -hmm. All that you need to trust, and I really mean this not just for you, Lois, but also for anybody listening, is that there is a reason that you're being pulled to do this. And it Mm -hmm. may not be. I think everybody's always so so determined to monetize their podcasts or their websites or whatever. And I just think, no, no, that's not where you make your money. That's not where you make your impact or your influence. It's the ricochet effects and opportunities that come off of that. The Mm -hmm. good work that you do, as you said, like the learning is, is, is everything. It's your why, right? But there's something in that passion and your capacity that draws people to it, right? And, um, and I wouldn't expect friends to be supporting that necessarily. And I think that was a tough lesson for me. Like, why aren't my friends listening? It was the people who become kind of like your quote, you know, your people, your, the listeners, the true followers, like those are the ones, and they're not usually your friends. Your friends like to keep you safe and uh, be there for you, but they're your peers. It's different, right? So that was a big learning for me. When I think about failing gloriously, just the Coles notes of this story. I had this drama teacher. His name was Mr. Graham. He was incredible, a huge inspiration. He was a very, very supportive person, especially when we had these dark moments. You know, we were in high school. It was grade eight to 12. And I remember walking into his drama room. He was a drama teacher. He he was British and he smoked like a chimney and he had, you know, these crazy these crazy vests that he had, you know, they were brocade and wild. And he was, he was absolutely crazy and we loved him. And, um, and so we'd walk into his, uh, we walked in in grade eight to his drama class. And he basically announced that we were going to learn this poem of the road, not taken by Robert Frost, and then learn to simultaneously juggle. And all of us just about died. We were like, nothing is more embarrassing as a teenager, right? To be like, hey, you're going to perform and then you're going to embarrass the crap out of yourself. And (laughs) oh, by the way, it's actually kind of challenging. So there's a good chance you're not going to make it. (laughs) Like everyone would rather die. So, so we all eventually did it and surprised ourselves. Many of us succeeded. And I think his, his big statement was, his big mantra was fail. If you're going to fail, you have to fail gloriously, like you said. And it's that idea that you better try, you know, you have one life to live, so you better give it a go. And, uh, and if you fail, so what? 
pick yourself back up and, and try again. And, and he was so good about that. And so I think for me, like you tapped into Lois, it's like, you gotta really think about the why behind it. And if you're doing something to please other people or to get acclamation from others, it's just probably not going to be a strong enough motivation to keep going. When you think deeply about how it impacts whatever it is that you do, whether it's gardening or writing or reading or photography or the way that you plan your classroom curriculum, that it's it's actually going to fundamentally shift the way you think or who you are or the people that you interact with. Like that is a powerful reason. And I really don't think that there is true failure. Like I think when we kind of fall on our face, it's just a door closing that wasn't supposed to be open to you. And I guess, I guess it sounds a bit like woo woo and fate like and whatever, but I really do think that the lessons that you get then propel you into what you're actually meant to be doing and, and that align more with your strengths. And so I've had lots of doors close in my life and you kind of have to like, you know, have your moment, cry about it and, and process those feelings. You can't push them down, but then go, okay, give it a shrug and move on. What else can you turn your attention to that fills you up, you know, or what can you see as the lesson within that failure that, that will propel you into, into what you're actually meant to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I love, like you've already alluded to this, um, but I love that sassy little quote by (laughs) Seth Godin, just pick yourself. Um, Yeah stop asking for permission stop waiting to be picked reject the tyranny of being picked pick yourself and i i love that i love that idea of yeah sometimes we we do choose to do things that maybe not everyone else around us understands or may seem a little crazy like writing a book or doing a podcast or whatever but sometimes we do those things because we really feel like we feel that um magnetic kind of pull in that direction and and there are those things that we have in our lives and we do need to listen to those things Um, we we do do. yeah we need to believe that our our voice and our um our passions are there for a reason and and we need to to use that um can I share can I share a little something about that actually I want to drill this home because I think all the people that will love you will many of them at some point will put their fear onto your dreams. And, and honestly, it always comes from a place of good intention. I think Jay-Z said something like, there are so many people who came to me and said, what's your dream? And kind of shook their heads and went, oh, you can't do that. And he would stop them and go, no, you can't do that. Watch me. I am going to do that. And I actually had somebody uh, have an intervention with me. Um, probably about three years ago when everything was kind of starting and, uh, and it was with my first book attempt, which like I said, didn't work. And they sat me down and said, you know, we're worried that you, you know, you're taking on too much or that you might be disappointed. We're worried you might be disappointed if this doesn't work out. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It might not work out. And I want to be, you know, 80 years old and look back and go, but damn, I tried you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you are going to fail tons. Of course you are. And, you know, I, I would just say caution anybody uh, ag- against taking anybody else's opinions too literally when it has to do with your own trajectory forward, because you and only you kind of understand the full picture of where you're going. 
even if you don't know the end point, but I think that whole idea of like, I trust that this is where, where I need to be going. And, uh, and, and sorry, I just had to add that too, because mm-hmm. that, no, that's, that's been so coming up for me. Yeah. Just kind of thinking, my goodness, I'm glad I didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And I absolutely believe that, you know, we, we do have these passions for a reason and yeah, we do need to be true to ourselves and, and do those things that are very authentic to us. And yeah, for me, you're on a very interesting trajectory because it's funny people have said to me, so when are you going to write your, your book? And I was like, you know, writing to me is something that is very, that's very sacred. Like I just love writing. And that's always been, that's always been something that I've enjoyed. And I feel like I write in a very kind of narrative sort of way. And, um, and it's something that interests me doing more writing. And yeah, who knows where some of these things that we do now will lead to and, and what will work out and what won't. But you know, we do have these passions for a reason and they're important and it's important that we cultivate them. And I think that's one of the things that I've noticed even in my leadership role is that there has to be a time of my day, a time of my week, whatever, that is very geared towards doing something creative, because that would be one thing that I miss a little bit from being in the classroom as a teacher and being on the other side of the table where you're you're doing a little bit more administrative work as a as a formal leader in a school and you know there i i miss i miss some of those things i miss some of those creative kind of pieces and so i'll find myself doing something that is not very administrative and probably not a lot of other vice principals are doing but it's like I got to go just like do a bulletin board or something. I need to go back to something that I really, you know, something that I used to do or or just something that just gets those creative juices flowing. And that's kind of a silly example, but, but really and truly being creative and having space for some of those creative pieces are really important and important in our self-care too. And I see that for myself, like, yes, um, it's hard to kind of, it's, it's hard to kind of pick yourself up and, and act like a machine or a robot every day. You've got to have some of those self-care pieces, creative pieces throughout your day, throughout your week to keep you motivated and to keep you moving like a human, right? And happy and, and yes, happy, and like happy. creativity. And yeah, so creativity yes. is so important. Yeah. It's like that that expression of our humanity, right? And so when we're so stuck in the managerial aspects of our jobs or even our household, things can feel, like you said, a bit robotic and and routine-based. And so that element of creativity is just that human element being infused into our life. And so many of us think we're not creative. Like, you know, many teachers will say that in front of their students. And I just want to be like, no, don't say that. Because all of the little magical ways that you you know, that we bring, bring stories to life in our classroom or that we, we bake or that we do any of that stuff. That is what brings that creativity into our life. So you talk about um, burnout, beginning burnout and connection, you know, being uh, on kind of the opposite side of that. Like, I don't know what others think, but for me, it feels like there's this, um, point in my life during the pandemic where socially like there was this giant pause and it feels like a gap you know we talk about learning gaps and things like that with students but I feel like there's a social gap which is kind of weird to say but it feels like there's sort of the social gap with them like 
you know, there's lots of people I sort of lost connection with or didn't necessarily, you know, bridge the gap between the <laughs> pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Um, yeah, it just feels like there's that piece or a chunk missing socially. And yeah. we long for that reconnection with people around us. And I keep thinking about how we can uh, continue to cultivate that and avoid burnout. And, and like you say, get fired up for yes. this next new year. So what would your, what would your um, advice be to people who maybe kind of in a nutshell to sort of summarize, what would be your encouragement to people to avoid burnout and get fired up and be connected in 2022? Yeah. So I, I think absolutely you're right. I think there is a gap. Uh, when I went to my first event, it was for a friend's book signing, actually. It was back in the spring. It was the first time that I was in a room with more than, you know, 10 people. And I'm a really social person. Like I'm one of those uh, presents as an extrovert introvert. So I, I do like being around people, but I need my recharge time. Anyway, I was totally struck by the fact, oh my goodness, I haven't done small talk in over a year. And just thinking, this is actually a skill that feels a bit rusty. And if I'm feeling this way, people who already had, you know, uh, mm. struggles with that, I mean, that is a compounding factor, which just kind of keeps people home. Thank you very much, you know? So I think mm -hmm. there is definitely a gap on a really, uh, on a societal scale. We see it with our students who this kindergarten generation coming through, they've never been to a concert. Uh, they've never been to a big live event, any of that stuff, right? So I think we do have to intentionally cultivate these social events and skills that serve us within the broader community. But there's also that interactive, smaller connection level, which is sort of developing our friendships, leaning on the people who we need to when we're in struggle or vice versa. So I think for me, the biggest piece has been being vulnerable when I am struggling. And this year has been particularly difficult for many reasons, just personally with shifts in family dynamics and all sorts of things. And I'm not, I don't tend to be somebody who's like showing the scars before they're formed. Like I, you know, I think I, mm -hmm. I do tend to present as a perfectionist too. And so it's been kind of a challenge to go to my close circle of friends, go, here's where I'm at. Here's where I need support. And then to watch them uh, provide that amazing network of support for me in ways I just couldn't even imagine through meals, through support with my kids, through just daily texts, checking in, phone calls, morning phone calls from one of my besties who every Monday we chat at 6 a.m. for 15 minutes about our goals. But like all of these little connections add up to the whole. And so my advice, I guess, to answer your question in my long rambly way that I do <laughs> is, <laughs> is basically that I think we need to lean into those small moments to build the connections because we have press pause. And so how do we reintegrate in a way that feels right? Well, you can today, right now, you could choose five friends that are on your on your sort of to-do list, I guess, for lack of a better word, and and reach out to them and just be like, hey, it's been a while. If, if it's been a year, be like, my goodness, it's been a really long time. You've been on my mind nonstop. I just want to know how you're doing. And please know that I'm thinking about you. And if they have the capacity, they might have five minutes to respond. And then what do you know, you could make a, a walking date, you know, outside where it feels safe. Um, I think getting into the habit of regularly 
calling or talking to a few people in your life who are really important to you, I think that's huge too. The consistency, just like our bucket list before, it's kind of like exercise, like you need it to be there as a stronghold every week. You know, you, you can't just be waiting for these big events because those aren't really coming consistently. And plans seem to be changing and policies seem to be shutting things down and opening up in kind of a you know, like a, an unpredictable way. So you have to put in the the measures that that are consistent. And I think an easy text or a phone call, that feels doable and that opens the door. So that would be my advice. Text five people today and see where it takes you. Good advice. That's really good advice. So last question, who did you write this book for? <laughs> if I'm really, really honest, honestly, I wrote it for myself. And mm. the reason I wrote it for myself is because every single chapter kind of carried me through a really tricky time in my life in a way that really helped. And so I think all of the, the culminating books that I'd read and podcasts and all of that, it sort of culminated into this book. And mm -hmm. I think because I was writing it for myself, it, I knew my own experience. And I think uh, I think that sometimes when we're creating things that when we speak from our own experience, that it can be helpful for other people. But I didn't write a book going, you know who I'm going to help? I'm going to help those colleagues over there who seem to be having a hard time. <laughs> no, <laughs> I went, you know who I need to help is me. And I'm going to mm -hmm. figure out the strategies that work for me. And maybe, maybe one or two will work for somebody else. And that was just my hope. And I think I wrote it for my kids as well. Because I think as adults, we, we have a tendency to sort of lose ourselves in the minutia of daily life. And being able to kind of come back to ourselves is, is huge. And just knowing that there's ways to do that. And so probably, probably, honestly, that's just like the podcast, like, who is it for? <laughs> for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it had a ricochet effect on other people. Hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, that's the fingers crossed part. So neat. Well, I'm going to tell anyone that I know about from Burnt Out to Fired Up, because I think it is such a fabulous book. And it was honestly just a huge encouragement to me to read it. And I feel like, yes, it's very timely. And it's just bang on with great strategies and suggestions for um, for anyone who just needs a little bit of a, an inspiration and encouragement right now, I think it's very insightful. Even your list of resources at the back of your book, I'm like, oh my goodness, I love these <laughs> books and these authors. And yeah, you just oh, tapped into a lot of information and yeah, great suggestions. And yes, I just want to thank you for writing the book and thank you for being on this podcast. Thanks for tuning in today to the Plan B Leadership in Life podcast. I want to sincerely thank each and every listener who's taken time out of their day to listen to this podcast. I hope you feel a little bit of inspiration and encouragement, and I hope you tell your friends about the Plan B Leadership in Life podcast. There will be more great content and stories in the days to come.